Welcome to Raging Chicken Radio's Out to Coop podcast. Each week, we check in with our Capitol correspondent, Sean Kitchen, on the good, bad, and the ugly that is Harrisburg, PA. We're now on iTunes and Stitcher, so subscribe to the podcast. Give us some feedback. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you could always check it out on our website, RagingChickenPress.org, um, but uh, we'd love for you to subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Raging Chicken Radio is a project of Raging Chicken Press, so check us out. Um, all the citizen journalism right on our website, RagingChickenPress.org. And if you like what you see, you like what you hear here, go to our website and click on the support and membership tab and become a member for as little as $5 a month. And also, if you're interested in contributing to Raging Chicken Press, just drop us an email at ragingchickenpress at gmail.com or send us a direct message on Twitter. We're at RC Press on Twitter. Um, send us a direct message there. So we began Raging Chicken Press almost five years ago to provide a platform for homegrown, progressive citizen journalism and media activism. So if you've got something to say or if you just want to learn how to do this work, drop us an email at ragingchickenpress at gmail.com and hey, let's get started. So we've had a, a, a pretty, pretty busy week uh, at Raging Chicken Press. Uh, we welcome two new contributors, uh, Ann Meter from the D.C. Media Group and Joy Marie Manbeck. Uh, Joy Marie Manbeck is a Bernie Sanders activist, and she's on his campaign uh, right here in Pennsylvania. Uh, check out Ann's article on the anti-pipeline activists up in Huntington County, PA, and get a behind-the-scenes look at organizing events for Bernie Sanders uh, from Joy. Both articles are up now on Raging Chicken Press. Also, I have a couple articles up on the Republican legislators' attacks on Pennsylvania's state system of higher education. The faculty union, ABSCUF, is moving closer to authorizing a strike if there's no progress in their negotiations. Stay tuned here for all the details. Uh, we'll be updating that from probably weekly at this point. Um, they've been working without a contract since July 2015. Now, of course, our regular readers uh, know that my podcast partner here, Sean Kitchens, spent a good deal of a time uh, this past week, past couple of weeks, really, focused on new anti-abortion legislation being proposed, um, it's HB 1948, and this would institute some of the most restrictive bans on abortion in the country. Uh, Sean reported on connections between this legislation and some right-wing dark money groups, it was even hearings that some Catholic organizations may have been trying to do some backroom horse trading on this deal. So I'll tell you, it was quite a week. So, Sean, welcome, Sean. How you doing, man? I'm doing awesome. How are you? Uh, good. So why, why don't you bring us up to date, bring us up to speed on where things are with this legislation now, with HB 1948? Well, I'm um, getting indication that it's dead. Dead it's as dead. a doornail. Dead bring as a doornail. Bring out your dead! Bring out your dead! It's done. Uh, yes, I'm getting those indications. Uh, yesterday, um, Governor Wolf had Planned Parenthood inside the Capitol newsroom. Uh, Cecile Richards was there. Wow, they brought and, Cecile Richards up. Yes, yeah, Cecile Richards came in, so that's how serious you knew that they were taking in Planned Parenthood. And um, they were able to get mothers who had abortions after the 20th week of their pregnancies to talk about why they had to go through that process. You know, either the babies were going to be born with severe pain, with severe birth defects. You know, these mothers had already had the names picked out. And it was frankly, like one of the toughest decisions they had to make in their lives. Right. And that th this would go to show that this bill came to law. These mothers would have been forced to bring these fetuses to birth and th the baby and go through that suffering of having to bring this child to life for maybe a year or two until it passed away. 
Wow, that's incredible. I mean, that must that must have been an incredibly powerful moment. And I can totally see why uh, these right wing nut jobs want to pull this legislation after that. I mean, it's pretty hard to go up against uh, kind of real stories of mothers struggling with this uh, with this decision, as opposed to just dealing with some kind of abstract, you know, ideological argument. And you know what? This is what happens when you uh, close off everyone from public discourse. You introduce a bill on a Friday, mm-hmm. run it through committee on a Monday and try to vote on it the following week. The Democrats were able to balk the bill. You know, it was supposed to come up for a vote last Wednesday. It didn't. It was supposed to come up for a vote yesterday. It didn't. And before it was going to, even the House was in session, they had this press conference. And one of the more important things to watch out for is that the bill did not go through the House Appropriations Committee. Mm-hmm. So when I, the bill goes through the House Appropriations Committee on the third day of consideration, that pretty much gives it a fiscal note, gives it the House Appropriations Committee approval to run it, and then the House will vote for it for final passage. So it did not go through the committee. It did not go to final passage. It looks like it will not be voted on today or tomorrow. And it looks like it's dead because the primaries are coming up in two weeks. The legislature will be off until the first week of May. And they want to come back to here and start passing another horrible Tom Corbett-esque budget for the sixth year in a row. So let let me just get your read on this then. So there were those, I mean, this is something that you reported on um, over the past couple of weeks. There were those... um, who thought that this bill was simply kind of red meat for the base that was, there was no big, you know, there was no plan to really move this forward and so on. Um, now you were making the case that no, that's not really the case. I mean, you were hearing something quite different and it seems to me that for Cecile Richards to come here, I mean, not just to have a Planned Parenthood event, but you know, you're having the kind of, president of Planned Parenthood Action Fund, right? President, right? She, and Cecile Richards is no joke, and she's a busy woman. And we had the listener uh, speak a couple years ago in front of a crowd at the Progressive Summit, and she brought that place to their feet. That's right. And actually, and if we anybody... Got to nations four years ago too that's absolutely right and if anybody's interested in checking out what cecile richards had to say in pennsylvania last year um that actually interview is up on raging chicken press you just go to our website and you can search cecile richards and we have the full audio of her address at um keystone progress uh summit um, last year in pennsylvania but it, absolutely so it seemed to me that at very least uh cecile richards and planned parenthood um were not buying that this was simply uh, red meat to the base, but that there was just cause to come out here and stop this thing. Exactly. You had to kill it in its tracks. You had to treat this bill as if it was going to pass and as if it was going to to restrict women's rights to an abortion, to the reproductive health care rights. And I have that same approach with writing about this. You know, you talk to journalists, you talk to other politicians, they kind of blew it off to the side saying, yeah, well, oh, well, it's just a it's just a fundraising ploy. Mm-hmm. Or that this was a way because for Kathy Rapp to get the bona fides of her constituents because she's has she's getting flanked from the right. Imagine that the lady who introduced the ultrasound bill, who introduced the twenty work twenty week abortion bill. What else does she have to do to get reelected by her constituents or to ward off even more conservative primary that's, challenges in that district? That's pretty incredible. What what district is she in again? I have no clue. It's out in Warren County. Out in Warren County, somewhere so in Pennsylvania. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say somewhere in Pennsylvania. <laughs> somewhere in Pennsylvania. <laughs> you kill me. Um, but, but no, but like, she's getting flank from her right. Exactly. That's pretty incredible. And um, one of the things that that is also really incredible about this is how it didn't even come up for a four vote in the House mm-hmm. and that they were shamed by Planned Parenthood into pulling this bill. 
Well, you were, I mean, because you were fully expecting this to come to the um, come to a vote yesterday, isn't that right? Yes, I was fully expecting this to come to a vote last week. Come to a vote either in the Senate was going was actually there are people in the Senate dying to take it up. There are a lot of moderate Republicans who didn't want this bill to come up in the Senate, but there are also a lot of conservative Republicans who wanted the bill to come up in the Senate. And frankly, if you looked at the math uh, prior. At prior abortion bills, you should you should have been worried about this because most of these passed with super majority, super majority uh, votes over the past three years. That, that's you right. Know, overwhelming support, seventy percent of the legislature supported for these bills that would you know f- ban women from getting abortion access through the federal health care exchange programs, mm-hmm. through Obamacare, through private insurers that got passed. Also, uh, the bills. The uh, amending privileges bills that got passed. Both of these major pieces of legislation got passed with overwhelming support of the legislature, veto-proof well, majorities. Well, you know, you and I were we were just talked about this on Sunday. Is that one of the things that that uh, still kind of baffles me? Is that you know when a piece of legislation like this um, kind of gets gets offered, it seems to me that you know there needs to be anybody who calls themselves progressive, at least um, you know that's in the legislature, any kind of Democrat or you know, someone who's, I don't know, not a Democrat, or at least, you know, was doing lobbying, whatever, like this on a progressive cause or something. The first question seems to me is that, you know, where is this coming from and what's the bill's history? Because I know recently, I think it was Kansas, but I'm not 100% sure on that, um, had almost like, well, very similar, not exactly identical, but a very, very similar piece of legislation that was recently defeated. Um, And it seems like, you know, this is the kind of pushes that we're going to see. So I'm just... You know, you don't have to go here with me, but, uh, you know, I'm just curious, is that why do you think there was not immediate, strong, kind of like outspoken voices um, among the Democratic leadership um, to try to to try to put this thing down? I mean, because you said that Cecile Richard came in at Tom Wolf's invitation. Is that correct? Exactly. So why did we see that kind of push coming out of the uh, Democratic leadership in the House or Senate? Well, first off, um, you have the minority whip, Michael ha- Mike Hanna, mm-hmm. voting to close the bill off the debate last week. He voted against delaying the bill until a later time. Mm-hmm. So you have people in Democratic leadership from rural Pennsylvania who support, who are, pro- who are pro-life and they support these mm-hmm. type of bills. Mm-hmm. And the, I th- frankly, I think the caucus is unorganized. It's a big tent party. You know, you have your progressive liberals from where you're more liberal types, not progressives from the Philadelphia or from your urban areas. Mm-hmm. But then you have your Democrats from, you know, rural Pennsylvania, where it's God's guns and labor. Interesting. And you don't, well, yeah. you know, but you do have some folks, you know, they're starting to come out like Fetterman, which, by the way, I'm sporting his T-shirt today. I want to thank Leslie, his campaign manager, for sending this out. Um, but, you know, a different kind of breed of Democrat seems to be waiting in the wings if these folks don't get their act together. Exactly. And I feel like these people should be held at the stake. If you're, I'm sorry, if you're a Democrat, if you're in, especially if you're in leadership, mm-hmm. there's no room for you to be pro-life. Or not pro-life. There's no room for you to, to support something this restrictive, even if it's to fundraise off of. No, right. And this is, this is where I come in. Look, I mean, like, have- this is something that a majority of the party is against, 
and you're supporting it, you should not be in leadership. Yeah, I would I would have to agree with you. And I and I even look at it like this is like, look, anybody is welcome to their own, you know, their own kind of personal views on stuff. Like I draw the line when it comes to, you know, you have your personal view on something, but you know, you don't get to then determine, right, um, kind of women's control over their own bodies just because you have an idea in your head. But um, we're coming up right to a break. So listen, uh, we're gonna take a break. This is Raging Chicken Radio's Out to Coop podcast. I'm talking with Sean Kitchen. Uh, we'll be back right after the break to talk about our thin-skinned little poor right-wing people who are as fragile as a little piece of glass all right raging chicken radios out the coup podcast we'll be right back i'm rick smith and this is labor history in two There are some songs that stand at the core of the labor movement. Year after year, these songs ring out on picket lines, at labor rallies, and in union halls across the world. These songs inspire and build solidarity between workers. Undoubtedly, Which Side Are You On is one of those songs. On this day in labor history, the year was 1900. Today, we celebrate the birthday of Florence Rees, the author of Which Side Are You On's iconic labor lyrics. She was born in Tennessee, the daughter of a coal miner. During the 1930s, her husband Sam was an organizer for the United Mine Workers in Harlan County, Kentucky. In what came to be known as the Harlan County Wars, the battle for union recognition waged on for nearly a decade. Often, violent skirmishes broke out between striking miners and federal troops, and the mine owners hired guns. Legend has it that one fateful day in 1931, deputies were dispatched to kill Sam Reese. He escaped just in the nick of time. But Florence and her children were terrorized as the deputies illegally searched and ransacked their home. When the deputies left, an angry Florence ripped the calendar off the kitchen wall and on it wrote the lyrics, To Which Side Are You On? Folk singer Pete Seeger heard the song and in 1941, he recorded it with his group, the Almanac Singers. It entered into the lexicon of labor anthems. Then, in 1976, Florence appeared in the Oscar-winning documentary, Harlan County, USA. The documentary told the story of a 1970s coal strike. In it, Florence sang her song, and the lyrics provided a powerful addition to the film. Since then, many more artists have covered versions of the song, including Annie DeFranco, Natalie Merchant, and this version by the Dropkick Murphys. All right, welcome back to Raging Chicken Press's Out the Poop podcast. Uh, if you want to help support this podcast and everything we do at Raging Chicken Press, you can go to our website at ragingchickenpress.org, click on the support membership tab, and become a member as so little as $5 a month. So, Sean, um, you know, I, I, off in the distance of right wing nut job land, I kept on hearing cries this past couple of weeks of like, Mommy, Mommy, help me, help me. Can you tell me a little bit about what's going on? Oh, man, Rick Scott. Rick Scott, Voldemort, <laughs> Skeletor. Whatever, he, looks like, just... he looks like he's from. Uh, he looks like he could be the Terminator from. He has got to be. I have to say, he's got to be one of the most frightening. Or, or I should put it this way: clearly, he is part Evil of the alien invasion of the Earth. That man is nothing but uh, like a, 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 a flesh jacket for an alien. I'm telling you, that guy. So I'm, I'm sure we all seen the video a couple weeks ago. This lady sitting down in the Starbucks. And she just 
starts tearing into Rick Scott for his uh, for his recent votes for his recent signing abortion signing abortion legislation. There we go. You know, going after public health care and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And this lady mm-hmm. just called him an asshole and just started pointing and yelling and shouting and screaming until he basically ran out of that Starbucks. We all yeah. seen that video, right? Yeah, one of my favorite people. That woman, I tell you, it was great. That's exactly how we should be treating these type of people in public. You know what I mean? You know, this is exactly your public official. This is how the criticism. If you can't take the heat, stay out of the kitchen, right? Or stay out of politics in general. And there was no pun intended there. Now, the response to that was just amazing. Like, I could not believe he, he, he like took the bait and he just ran with it. Well, well, I mean, well, tell like, us a little, wait, 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 before you get into that, t- tell us a little bit about the response. I mean, that what was his response to this? I mean, because I think the response was incredible what this guy did. Yeah. So he's he his super PAC or his political action committee spent money and ran a minute 30 second ad attacking this lady on YouTube, like put this ad up on YouTube and just started putting it out on social media, attacking this lady for being an anarchist who didn't put her hand on her heart for pledging allegiance to the flag. I get to think of so many worse things people out there are doing and then called her a latte drinking liberal who sits in Starbucks all day because she's unemployed. I mean, I, I thought this was incredible. And I, looked at this, I, and I looked at this ad and I was just like, wow, there's one thing. Okay, you don't feed the trolls, right, on the internet. You, you just don't feed the trolls. You, you don't do it. But he, like, he took that to, like, I mean, the lady, maybe, you don't, you don't consider the lady a troll, obviously. But he, like, shot back at this lady. He punched down, all the way down to the ground. I mean, he could, all he had to do is just shut, shut up lick his wounds, and just keep on going. But no, the following week, he made this video attacking this lady because his ego got hurt. And it just it amazes me how thin-skinned these, these people are. No, I mean, that's really incredible. And not only are they thin-skinned, right? They, 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 you know, they pretend to be, you know, self-made man and the strong, you know, hard, strong administrator guy and, and all this kind of stuff. But it turns out that, you know, you prick their ego just a little bit and then they start, you know, kind of crying to mommy. They but then, no, it's worse. But wait, wait, what's worse about it, though, is that it's not just that they're thin-skinned is then that they're 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 willing to use the full apparatus of all their money and campaigns have to just try to crush the other person to gore their to gore their opponents in public exactly and like i don't know if the response was worse for on the, i think the response completely backfired on his end because he mm-hmm. just you don't do those things and then you know in pennsylvania we just had something i think what yesterday that came out you mean we've got our own rick scott right here in pennsylvania well, well, we have our own um, 20-some-year-old legislature who is from Northeast Philadelphia, and she's been introducing these extremely – she makes Lou Barletta look like a saint pretty much. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know, Lou Barletta was the mayor of Hazleton, now, you, now U.S. congressman who had the um, Alien Relief Act of 2006, and he tried to ban all aliens, all, all, all undocumented immigrants out of um, Hazleton, Pennsylvania. Martina White from Northeast Philadelphia is trying to do the same thing. Not, 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 not there yet, but a bunch of activists confronted her yesterday inside her district office, and she just lost her shit. Started yelling and screaming and pointing and hollering and yelling at people, demanding them to get out of their office as they demanded a petition for her to remove her legislation from the books. That's pretty incredible. That's pretty incredible. good old Martina White. Now, she, she's also someone who's kind of being looked at as one of these kind of young, kind of up-and-coming folks in the GOP in the state, isn't she? Um, not really. I have, I have my own theories as to why she's in office. She's pretty much holding a seat for Brendan Boyle, um, Brendan Boyle's chief of staff. Mm-hmm. There was a big fight between Boyle and Stack in Northeast Philly. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Brendan Boyle did not get the candidate he wanted to run the Democratic primary. So word has it, which these are the people I trust and I know closely, that he ran Martina White to uh, to get the so the Democrats would lose that seat. So in two years, his chief of staff, the one he wanted to run for that office, will be able to run in a primary. And now that's what's happening now. Wait, 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 wait. Let me, let me see if I get this right. So you, you're wait. You're saying that the Democrat Brendan Boyle, Congressman Brendan, Co- Boyle. So, yeah, Democrat though, right? Yeah. So he the, wanted. He actually that he was actually supporting Martina White. He um, ran Martina White because Stack Lieutenant Governor Stack had Martina Del Ricci running for that seat, and not the candidate Brendan Boyle won it. Gotcha. Man, so, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. This is blood politics in Northeast Philly. And Martina White has a thing of interest, standing up for, for police. Mm-hmm. She's also the one who authored this um, bill that would make it illegal for public officials to release the names of police officers involved in offer, officer-related shootings or involved in extreme uses of force. Well, you know, this is this is what I wonder, though. You know, this is what I, you know, look at someone like her, um, you know, that if she was there to be kind of like a placeholder or something like that, I don't, you know, she doesn't seem to be working out quite in that way or kind of working out according to plan because, you know, she's she's been pretty active for being a first term, you know, representative. Yeah, she is. And she's been introducing bills that have been written by the Fraternal Order of Police from Philadelphia. Right, exactly, which is not exactly, you know, uh, and her constituency a, a is, group. And her constituency or her district has some of the a lot of retired police officers. She basically lives in the Donald Trump neighborhood of Philadelphia. I was just about to ask you. So this is in that same in that same area that has the high concentration of uh, Donald Trump voters. Exactly. So do you think that actually that that's what she's playing to here? I mean, she is she up for election in 2016? Yes, she is. So if she thinks she's she'll probably, she'll she'll run she'll run she'll win the primary uh-huh. right because no she's running on the post in the primary, but then she'll have a contested race against the Democrat. And who's the Democrat for that? Franz Nelm. Okay, and is this Boyle's Boyle's guy? Yes, and what makes things worse is Nelms was a lobbyist for the Ridge Policy Group mm-hmm. under under former Republican Governor Tom Ridge. So we might be replacing a Republican with a Republican who's registered as a Democrat. This is the kind of stuff that drives me crazy about this state. I'll tell you, Um, you know, it really, really does. I mean, you know, this is um, but, you know, it goes to your point that you were making in the first segment that, you know, you've got a Democratic Party in the state of Pennsylvania that really doesn't have a game plan, a strong game plan statewide. You've got these pockets of organizations and kind of, you know, quasi Democratic machines. Game of Thrones type of people going after Game of Thrones politics in different cities. You know, your party leaders going after each other, your ward leaders going after each other. You have, you know, stack the stack party and then the Boyle party fighting each other for like their own like little pieces of land in northeast Philadelphia. They're doing it to spite each other, not to grow the party and grow an opposition to the stuff that's happening. with the No, this is, this is kind of old time machine politics, right? I mean, this is kind of one this machine. Is Tammany Hall. Right. And I look at it, you know, I look at it like this is like, you know, I, you know, I, I, the one where I'm thinking about this as we're talking about is this is something that we're just going to have to, I think, stay on in this podcast is kind of keep on coming back to kind of uh, letting people know the kind of behind the scenes stuff on this, because frankly, a lot of this back and forth machine politics stuff that's going on, people don't know. I mean, every, the everyday person in Pennsylvania, they don't kind of understand that these, this is what's getting us our leaders at this particular point. And, you know, I think it's about time we shine a little bit of light on that. Well, listen, we're coming right up to a break. This is Raging Chicken 
Press, Raging Chicken Radio's Out the Coop podcast. Uh, we're going to come right back after the break with a little bit of, uh, you know, kind of touching base on what happened this past weekend and uh, a little bit of fun stuff before we sign out. All right, this is Raging Chicken Radio's Out the Coop podcast. We're right back in a minute. Welcome back to Raging Chicken Radio's Out to Coop podcast. This is Kevin Mahoney. I'm the editor and founder of Raging Chicken Press. And uh, boy, it's been a raucous day today. I'm telling you, we've been all over the all over the map, all the legislative map, getting kind of behind the scenes of what's going on and motivating our politics here. So uh, we'll talk about a little something to kind of light to kind of uh, take us out. You know, this just yesterday it was uh, I had a first opportunity. Uh, I was out in Kutztown. Uh, it was the first opportunity to stop by the Saucony Creek's new gastropub. I mean, they've been brewing in Kutztown for a while now, um, but their uh, brew pub, or I'm sorry, their gastropub has opened up and they use all local ingredient stuff, all handmade stuff. Um, and I got to tell you, the the food there was freaking awesome. I had the kind of pierogies and the French fries to make their own ketchup, make their own hot sauces. Um, it was just absolutely fantastic. And one of the reasons I really wanted to go yesterday is I wanted to sample. They've uh, they just recently won a, an award, a gold medal award winner for uh, a Belgian style fruit beer. Uh, it was the ginger uh, peach and ginger saison, and it was it was great. And had one of their other Belgians and things. So it's uh, check it out if you're in Kutztown. Check out Saucony Creek. It's uh, right on the kind of Kutztown Road as you're heading out from the university towards Reading. Uh, the left hand side is an old car dealership. So check us out. But um, so Sean, I you know this was a big weekend for you. I mean, I, I don't want to kind of you know, try to suggest that my visit to a gastropub could possibly tap your kind of blowout down there. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what, what you did? Well, um, before we get into that, I just want to ask you a quick question. How did you like that uh, sunny side up stat you got over oh the weekend? Oh, my God. That was so good. Yeah, Sean dropped me off a, a sunny side up stat. What had, what, God, you know the ingredients better than I do. It peppers in it, cinnamon in it. What else was in it? Uh, Wahilo peppers, mm-hmm. cinnamon sticks, uh, cocoa nibs, and I believe vanilla beans added onto the Sunny Side Upstat, which uses Little Amp's coffee mm-hmm. at, based out of Harrisburg. And I dropped you off some sours, too, that are prime beers. Yeah, that, I, I'm telling you, that, that Sunny Side Up was, uh, you know, that was right in my wheelhouse. I mean, we got the peppers in it, the cinnamon. You had the extra little, you know, that nice spicy flavor um, on top of just amazing, uh, you know, coffee. <laughs> I just, I, I was just like... All praise goes to goes to the folks out there at Pizza Boy Brewery. So that was um, that was great. And I haven't had the sour yet. I'm kind of letting that sit that one for a little bit, waiting for just the right time. So maybe once. Well, mm-hmm. well, I was gonna say yeah. So after I got done bootlegging you bootlegging the beer down to you, I was able to uh, go down to Forest in Maine for their fourth anniversary party. You know, it's great. It's a place I went to on a weekly basis. You'll hear me talk about this a lot. We had our own trivia team set up down there, and it's great to see uh, every Thursday night. So I got to meet up with the old gang. I uh, got to enjoy some day drinking. I lost count about, like, I think I had, like, seven or eight IPAs by, like, 7 o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> at the blowout. Well, it's a good thing. A good thing, once again, we should remind our, we should remind our listeners that uh, Sean is responsible. He had mommy and daddy come pick him up, so uh, he wasn't <laughs> exactly. driving at that. I live within 10 minutes. I wasn't going to use Uber or Lyft or some other uh, anti-democratic, anti-labor uh, organization to, to, to uh, engage in my drinking. Fair enough. Fair enough. So <laughs> w- w- while you were at Forest in Maine, uh, how'd your laundry come out? I understand <laughs> you had your parents in your laundry, too, which is freaking unbelievable to me still. <laughs> <laughs> clean <laughs> Jesus <laughs> so anyways how was the celebration was it pretty cool 
Oh, it was awesome. They had live music there. Um, for those who haven't been there yet, so Forest and Main Brewing is on the cross streets of Forest and Main and Ambler. Um, it's in this old Victorian house that's from like the 1890s, 1880s. So it's a very small, tight place. You can't really fit that many people in there. So when I got there, there were about 200 people outside wow. of the place, outside the front lawn, and then uh, going onto the sidewalk and into the street. And um, we had a fun time. Uh, we were blocking, actually blocking a lane of the street, which I'm no cops went by. We were drinking in the sidewalk, drinking in the streets, throwing footballs back and forth. <laughs> people were bringing their own bottles of beer with them, and we're passing around all other different types of beers. So we're trying like all this cool stuff. And um, there's some other fun party favors being passed around as well, but I can't get into that. <laughs> sure enough. Well, I'll tell you what, as, as, as part of the uh, as part of the Optico podcast, uh, I know, Sean, you posted a couple of videos up um, about some of this stuff there. Maybe we'll tag on a couple of the videos to the podcast stuff. People want to do is check us out. Uh, exactly. Check it out. It's on my Instagram page. Um, mm-hmm. I got a couple of them. I was just posting a bunch of Instagram photos the whole entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of great music. The thing I love the most there is that the uh, – the, the last band to play was the bartender and was the one bartender, Mike. And then the, uh, the, the other two brewers were there playing on stage as well, playing bass and the drums. So it's like these people are also, they, it's, they have a really great presence within the local community. Well, and, and the residents there were from Ambler. Everyone was within walking distance. Right. You met up with people you meet within the beer scene. You know, I worked in a beer distributor for two years. So you got to meet up with your friends who are sales reps for Wirebacher and other places or for people who were, uh, you know, working for heavy seas, working, uh, working for other like wholesalers and distributors. No, so that's great. Can, and, and you've said, I mean, you've, you've said ever since, uh, ever since you started going there, you said they've done such a great job in kind of cultivating uh, a community down there. So anybody who's out down in the Ambler area, please do check out Forest in Maine. Um, uh, Sean just raves about it, says some of the best, uh, you know, some of the best beer, local beer that's brewed there. And plus it's just a great community all around. So listen, we're running right up to it. So uh, we're going to have to kind of uh, say goodbye. This is Raging Chicken Radio's Out to Coop podcast. This is Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken Press. We're here every week on Tuesdays. Uh, look for us sign up on itunes or stitcher um and keep us going and just a word to everyone out there when you go home to visit your parents do your own damn laundry all right <laughs> this is kevin mahoney uh we're out of here until next week <laughs>